It's like apocalypse when you're on these wildfires and everything is burning. Homeowners in sandals, shorts, and a t-shirt on their roof, watering their roof down, trying to keep the fire from spreading. A lot of people cannot get fire insurance because it's getting so expensive in California. In some cases, it's higher than the property taxes. That creates a problem for firefighters because now people aren't going to want to evacuate. Fire's making more advanced spread because we have to divert from firefighting to making a rescue. Now this year, it might be a big fire season, right? A lot of rain this year. So the fuels, the vegetation has grown tremendously. When they burn, it's going to burn with a lot of intensity. My guest today is Sam DiGiovanna. He's the fire chief in LA County. We have covered how some Californians don't have fire insurance anymore because the cost skyrocketed. Our guest today, he's going to discuss how this could impact Californians with the fire season coming. And what about young people to get into this profession? It's hard to find firefighters. They don't want to serve. Maybe uh, they think TikTok or they have other things that they can feel they can make money. And it's hard demanding work physically and mentally. In my mind, I say, why? What, what's the matter with you? This is the best job in the world. If you really enjoy California Insider and you think we have a valuable program, I highly recommend watching our documentary, Leaving California. It's a 70-minute documentary. We went so in-depth. It's my story going across the state and finding out what's going on. Why do we have people leaving this state? And if there is any solutions for the state so we can stop this exodus? Click on the link below and subscribe to Epoch TV. By subscribing to Epoch TV, you can watch this documentary, Leaving California. Not only you can watch Leaving California, you can watch many other content and documentaries and shows and programs. And it has tremendous value because a lot of this content is nowhere else to be found. Click on the link below and I hope to see you there. Sam, it's great to have you on. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. We want to talk to you about fires. We actually uh, covered insurance and, and uh, a lot of people cannot get fire insurance because it's getting so expensive in California and some people are risking it by not having fire insurance. Can you tell us more about this? What You're a fire chief and you've seen this happen. Can you tell us? I can certainly see where the insurance companies are coming from. Let's go back to 2017 where there were $14 billion of property loss damage and Fires are not only uh, that devastating, but they're also growing even more so. And you watched, uh, the, we did an episode on, on insurance and how people are going without insurance and risking it. And you watched this episode and you wanted to come on the show because you're seeing a big fire season for us. Can you explain to us what you see? Well, the problem that I see is this. I could see where the insurance companies are coming from. They're losing money. So they're not writing uh, policies or they're canceling policies. They have to save their monies. The side effect to that is now uh, I, homeowners don't have insurance on their properties that are living in the hillside areas. Their propensity is going to want to stay and defend their home and their assets. That creates a problem for firefighters because now people aren't going to want to evacuate. They're gonna wanna stay and defend their home and now we're gonna to have to pivot and go from fighting the fire to making rescues when people are injured or need help because they've stayed back to fight fire. And is it very difficult to do that? If people are staying 
you, you've been involved with fighting these fires in, in California. Like, is it much more difficult? What happens when people decide to stay to protect their home? Well, if we're doing structure protection for a particular division or a neighborhood, and then we have to be diverted because someone's burned or injured, we have to leave where we're at and go assist those people that are stayed back to try to defend. Now you're, the fire's making more advanced spread because we have to divert from firefighting to making a rescue. And there have been times, even before this insurance problem started, where I've been on fires, where I've seen homeowners in sandals, shorts, and a t-shirt on their roof, watering their roof down, trying to uh, keep the fire from spreading. They're inexperienced. We have veteran firefighters over 20 years that are in full personal protective equipment and they still experience burnovers and get injured or even worse, we've had fatalities. Now this year, we, it might be a big fire season, right? That's what you were mentioning to me offline. Can you tell us what, what you see is happening this year? Well, the past two years, we did not get the hard driving uh, Santa Ana wind driven fires. I don't think third time will be a charm. We've also had a lot of rain this year. So the fuels, the vegetation has grown tremendously. I'll give you an example. Take a 10 gallon gasoline can and put it in your garage and it didn't burn. Do the same thing next year, do it for the next five years. Now you have 50 gallons of gasoline in your garage. When your garage burns, it's going to burn with that much more intensity. The same with the hillsides. There's a lot of fuel in those hillsides and when they burn, it's going to burn with a lot of intensity. And what is the season that people have to be careful with? Is it, is, uh, some people said the fire season has become the whole year, uh, but is, there, is, is, is this true or do they have to be worried about it in September, October, in the next few months? That's a good question. Fire season is year round. We've seen fires, the Colby fire seven or so years ago in Glendora was in January and we lost a few homes there. It was a Santa Ana wind, so it is Fire season is year-round, however, of course, summertime, it starts peaking in the fall around September, October, November, and sometimes into, even into December, we can get Santa Ana winds, and when that happens, it creates the fuel moisture content to go very low. So the fuel moisture content, the warm temperatures, and the wind, that's what are the three factors that create red flag warnings, meaning the highest of the fire danger and we're approaching that peak season of the highest red flag fire dangers. They're right around the corner. And before we talk to you about uh, this, some you have some tips and solutions for homeowners because it, it's, <coughs> it's, it, some people cannot have insurance and even if they do have insurance, we wanna share with them some ideas how to protect themselves. But there's a bigger impact with the fires on the communities. Like if you don't live in an area where there is there is a potentially a fire, how can your community get impacted? Well, fire trucks, fi personnel are called from all over. You can be called from downtown LA or a coastal community where you're not in the wildland urban interface, but we need resources to help fight these fires. So let's say you're downtown LA, not in the hillside areas, but you at that station may be called to assist on a brush fire and that station may stay vacant for an hour or two until re we recall personnel back or we have move up engine companies come and cover those stations. So sometimes they can sit empty. Now, if you live in that area and let's say you have a traffic accident or a medical call such as a heart attack 
and that station that's close to your home, the next station may be even five or 10 more minutes out. And time is of the essence when you're having a medical call like a heart attack. So now there's a delayed response. Not only that, but when wildfires hit, just like we saw in Canada, North America, New York, a lot of areas got a lot of smoke. Wildfire, the smoke from the wildfires, they create air quality hazards and health hazards for those not living in the wildland urban interface. You were mentioning there are some solutions that the cities and the state can take. Can you tell us some of these solutions? And there's some pushback on them, right? Yes, you know, you can get a whole bunch of I've experienced personally as fire chief where I want to bring in just say goats to the hillsides and goats are great for cleaning areas up but then you might get a group of environmentalists that say there's a special plant that's indigenous to this area. We don't want to lose it, so we can't bring goats in. So then we have to look for alternative methods, and sometimes there are no methods. And I think sometimes we lose focus or the common sense of, do we risk losing some plants or uh, decimating our community? So we need to get back on track and thinking of um, common sense approach to these. So thinking about the big picture that, okay, you know, we may lose one plant, but then we, in, in a sense, we are protecting a community of people, right? Or, or maybe animals and people that might get in these fires. They yeah, you, you know, we need to make sure, the first job of the fire department is to protect life, property, and the environment. So if we're, we get our hands tied by sometimes politicians or community activist groups or environmentalists that don't want us to do certain things to mitigate these fire problems, that becomes a problem for the whole community. You have seen situations like this. Have you seen any situations where we didn't do a good job cleaning up the brush and the fires came and then got out of control? Well, we do our best. Most every fire department proudly state this, that they do their best to mitigate the risk of wildfire. And there are certain areas, some of our canyons are very steep terrain and you can't get in there. That's what we live here in Southern California about. So these hillsides, it's kind of like an earthquake. It's not a matter of if they burn, but when they burn, just like an earthquake. It's not a matter of if one happens, when it happens. So hillside communities are all affected and it's a matter of time before their hillsides and their communities, we're gonna see fire. When it comes to wildfires, do people do things that you guys don't recommend? Of course, you know, just like I mentioned about those that are in their sandals and shorts and t-shirts trying to uh, put fires out on a 30, 40 mile an hour wind Santa Ana day. Um, we've had people come up and jump on our fire truck and just say, I'm gonna help. And they're not trained and we have to stop and take them off the fire truck. I've had people uh, when I've been on a fire, stop us, come right out in the middle of the street and stop us. Uh, it's a strike team of five engines and stop us and start telling us what to do and directing us. Or people will stop us uh, uh, and they'll um, ask why we're not putting their house out and it's pretty much fully involved. And obviously they did not do the proper brush clearance, but they want us to put their house fire out. Sometimes we have to triage homes and just move on. And there's been other times where we're parked and we're in an active firefight and people, citizens, will just come up and start pulling hose off our truck and interfere with our wow. firefighting. So you get a lot of different things to um, 
say this and like I said, it's uh, it's like apocalypse when you're on these wildfires and, and everything is burning. This, it could be in the middle of the day, but the smoke is so thick and all you hear is helicopters and airplanes. And although it seems like it's chaos, I'll say it's organized chaos. We have the best mutual aid system in the state of California. We cooperate and respond so well together. We train all the same way so that whether you're in San Diego and you have to go to Northern California, we're pretty much operating on the same page. Or if you're in Northern California and come to San Diego on a fire, we all work together. That, that's the beauty of it. Can you tell us what uh, the homeowners can do? And uh, a lot of us know about the fires, but we probably are not doing what we're supposed to do if we are living in these communities. Do you have any tips for them? Well, the first thing I would do is contact your local fire department and see what the brush fire uh, requirements are. But what you could do is clear the hazardous vegetation away from your home 100 to 200 feet at a minimum. Clear that out. Then combustibles around your house, such as lawn uh, chair, patio furniture, keep those away. Trash cans, firewood, keep those a minimum of 30 feet away from your home. Your rooftop and your rain gutters around your house, clear those of the leaves, needles, and twigs that accumulate during the wind because those are areas, the furniture and the combustibles around your house and those leaves, needles, and twi twigs, those are perfect spots for hot embers to blow on and ignite a roof or the side of your house with fat patio furniture. So it's important homeowners take necessary steps. There's even companies that have um, fire retardants, you know, that they could spray around their house that could help um, mitigate and help this, but it's the homeowner's responsibility to make sure that their house is mitigated as much as they can from wildfire. So especially people that have no insurance, so because we're hearing some people are risking it because the insurance cost is going through the roof. In some cases, is higher than the property taxes. Uh, these fire retardants, to, to do that, is it, is it cost effective? Is there a way to? Well, it is cost effective, especially when you say, how much will I be paying to do the mitigation part as opposed to risking losing my home? So it is effective. Um, follow the advice of your local fire department, follow the advice of the product of the company that you're going to purchase these fire retardants from. But again, the main thing is homeowners need to get mitigation efforts in plan. And in fact, right now as we speak, if you haven't done this already, you're behind the, the curve already because we are in the thick of fire season starting right now and it's just going to get worse. And then about staying and protecting people's homes when a fire happens, unfortunately, if a fire happens, what are your thoughts on that? When people decide to stay and say, okay, you know what, I, I got this, I'm gonna protect my home, what, what would you tell them? I would tell them not to do that because when we ask people to evacuate, we mean so. It's a matter of life or death. So when you're asked to evacuate, do so. I have been on fires where the winds are blowing 20, 30, 40 miles an hour, red flag day, and I've seen them in sandals, shorts, and a t-shirt on their roof trying to put, uh, protect their home. That's dangerous for them. Like I mentioned earlier, veteran firefighters that have 20 plus years experience in full personal protective equipment can still get burned or killed during these wildfires. So don't stay and defend. And again, it diverts our efforts of fighting the fire to going to making a rescue. 
And for some of us that don't know what you guys go through, because this is a very difficult profession, right, firefighting, can you tell us how you got involved with, with firefighting? I started with uh, a friend of mine. We joined LA County Fire Department Explorers at age 15, and I fell in love with it. Before I graduated from high school, my junior and senior year, I took college classes in fire technology. I wanted to be a firefighter so, so bad. I used to tell my mom, I just wish I could just skip the rest of high school and just go be a firefighter. But luckily I got hired early and I've been in the fire department for a very long time. And once it's in your blood, it's hard to get out of it. I still am just as passionate about the fire service today as I was when I started. Maybe a little as age kind of wearing me out a little bit, but, but I still love the professional. So what is it that makes this profession great for you? Oh boy, there's a lot of things, but number one, you know, I love the camaraderie. I come from a big Italian family, so you know, that the fire service is, is like a, a family. So that's one thing, but there's nothing um, more rewarding when you know, when you go out on these brush fires and you know when you've protected a structure and you save that home, someone's home. We take it very serious and if we're assigned to structure protection and we lose that structure, we take it to heart, we take it very personally. But even on the medical call, the medical call sides, when you know you're helping someone, it's, it's fantastic. The rewards are unbelievable. But if, if God were to come down and say you could be a professional athlete, a rock star, or a firefighter in your life all over again, Sam, I'd pick firefighter all over again. Best job in the world. So do you see the results of what you do every day in, in from the feedback you get from the people? I won't say, in my mind, you know, I know I do, but um, remember, for just as many positive things that you do, you have a lot of people that aren't happy with what you're doing. So um, it's kind of a balance. You just have to stay positive. And um, I do, I do see the rewards. I do look back and I can say, even up until this day, the positives that come out of this. And I think that that holds true for most firefighters. Uh, we're very proud of our occupation and what we do, and, and I could not be more proud of the firefighters that are out there. Are you concerned with stock market volatility? The market's closing in on their worst year since the financial crisis. Two of the major indices had their worst day since 2020. U.S. financial markets had their worst day since the start of the pandemic. Do you really trust this economy? are growing that the U.S. economy could be headed for a recession. Inflation soaring to its highest level in nearly 40 years. Prices for gas and groceries are so high, inflation sending already sky-high prices soaring even higher across the board. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a higher fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market? You can turn your monthly income on or off compound it, whatever you choose, and there is no loss of principal if you need your money back. And absolutely, there are no fees. Just log on to investverify.com. Folks, I personally invest my own money with Verify. Log on to investverify.com or call 888-VERIFY24. Now let's go back to the interview. And what is it like to, to be serving uh, can you tell us like what is a couple of days or a day look like in you guys's? Well, it varies. You could have a day where you're gonna go out and you're gonna be training. We just did some training recently um, in the city of Alhambra with a new recruit fire academy class. It was 90 degrees 
outside and we were doing what's called flashover fires. Inside the container, it's a thousand degrees. So you could do a day where you're training like outside in the heat and have even more heat. Then there's days where you're in the classroom and maybe you're doing your EMT or uh, paramedic recertification. So every day is different. And some days you can go to the station and as soon as you put your gear on the engine, the bell may go off and you may have 10 calls that day. You might not come back to the station for a long time. Other days you may come go to work and you may have two or three calls. So it, it varies and that's probably another reason why I love the fire service. It's never the same day. There's always something different. And do you get a lot of calls that could give you trauma? And uh, there is, you guys deal with really traumatic situations sometimes, right? Well, um, more firefighters and police officers are dying by suicide than line of duty death. Uh, the world we live in today has changed dramatically. We're exposed to a lot more harsher elements, mass shootings, trauma, um, Unfortunately and sadly, the, the homeless population is increasing and it takes its toll. Um, uh, the brush fires that we're talking about uh, used to be you could go on two, three, four, five of these every few years. Now we're going on two, three, four, five of these wildfires uh, every year that are decimating towns. When you see this, it, it can take a toll mentally on you. When you see families that have had built their homes for decades or uh, people's lives, children's, animals, it can start uh, affecting your mind. And do you guys have a way of dealing with that or do you have to kind of go to the next call and just? Well, we do um, and thankfully uh, peer support training and um, programs to assist firefighters with post-traumatic stress injuries. There's a lot of organizations and fire departments are really stepping up and bringing in their own clinicians to help and outside resources. There's a lot of availability for that to help us cope with that. And what about the people that are getting into, is there a lot of people coming into this profession? Are they different from when you started? Are younger people now coming into the firefighting different than, than when you started? Well, yes, because I'm older and they, we have the millennial generation and it's hard sometimes to understand where their mind is. But I have to remember when I started, the older firefighters and captains and battalion chiefs, they probably thought the same about me. It's just a generational thing. But I have noticed this. This is pretty much becoming a problem in our country, recruitment and retention. It's hard to find firefighters where years ago you would apply for a job for a fire department and you might have a thousand to two thousand people applying for a job for only five to ten. Right now you can go to fire departments that are applying for a position and you might have a couple hundred people if that and a lot of them just don't make it through their probationary period. It's a different generation right now and we are starting to see a staffing shortage amongst a lot of fire departments. People don't want to be fire department firefighters, right? I think maybe uh, they think TikTok or um, they have other things that they can feel they can make money. Um, it's hard demanding work physically and mentally and some of the kids nowadays that I see in the academy that's just not for them. How does that make you feel? Because you were very passionate, you know, as a young person getting involved. How do you yeah. feel when you see this, this society is not interested anymore in this profession that is really helping people? 
Well, in my mind, I say, why? What, what's the matter with you? This is the best job in the world. Uh, I don't understand why they wouldn't want to do that, why they don't want to serve and have such a rewarding career. It, it does baffle me at times as why um, we're seeing this decrease in the desire for this occupation. Can you tell me more about the serving aspect of it? How does it feel or how, do, how is it to when you serve others in th this kind of a role? Well, I think that that's kind of a, um, a lost art that we're losing, I won't say California or anywhere, but I, I do see it across this country. Um, we used to, we have a motto in the fire service, service before self. But unfortunately, in my opinion, society seems to be more about self before service. And I think we need to change that because, you know, when you help someone, how good you feel about that nowadays, people don't want to help other people. They would rather take their cell phone out and videotape what's happening rather than jump in and intervene and help someone. So it is disheartening to see that um, we're not putting um, service before self. So we're actually, people are videotaping an incident before actually jumping in and helping because they want to put that on social media or like they don't want to get engaged. Yeah, it, it's easier for them to um, not get involved than to get in and help someone and like you say put it on social media or people are afraid of the ramifications if they jump in and help because sometimes people have gotten in trouble jumping in we've seen it on where people intervene on a subway because someone's um, harassing or beating someone up and they jump in they may hurt the person that's committing the crime and then that person ends up getting in trouble because they're stepping in trying to help so um, our society needs to get back on track, this is my personal opinion, on being um, helping people rather than not helping people. Now, do you have any recommendations for the leaders, the state leaders, if they're watching this show, what they can do to help you guys out on the ground? Well, uh, they have been doing a good job trying to increase our pay, um, mitigation efforts through funding and grants to help reduce this risk. Um, for the political leaders, continue with a good common sense approach. That will help us, that will help the communities that they represent in their political position. So uh, sometimes uh, listen to the professionals, especially the fire chiefs. Fire chiefs, police chiefs, they have a very difficult job and they have good common sense. And sometimes they present it and sometimes they get shut down. And that's where we go, where did the common sense go? We're going to have these fires that they might be bigger or there might be more danger now. And it's now. People have to do something about it now. Uh, have you guys improved compared to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, how you deal with these fires? We sure have. We've made great strides with GIS, mapping, cameras, thermal imagers that we can use night vision goggles while fighting fires at night that we did not used to use. We have bigger payloads in our helicopters and our fixed-wing aircraft for dropping water and fire retardant. So we do have, we've made uh, big advances, but sometimes it's not enough because these wildfires are burning at such a rapid rate of spread. Even the best of technology can't outrun a wildfire. The homeless problem is getting worse, it's not getting better. Crime is getting worse, it's not getting better. Regulations are getting worse, it's not getting better. People are bailing on California in record numbers. Showing 
more than half of Californians are considering moving. It might be harder to find a U-Haul than to find your next home. The exodus of people moving out of California is not new. No sane person would want to leave California if they could make it here. For the first time ever, people are leaving. In 2020, California lost 650,000 people. First time in my lifetime I've heard that. I'm leaving California. Why you should consider moving to have We're going to miss you guys. Several high-profile companies like Tesla have moved their headquarters. I'm out of here. This place is going to sink. Watch. They already have high taxes. This is just the tip of the iceberg. California treats businesses like criminals and taxpayers like organ donors, and people get tired of it. Here's some of our costs. Drivers are paying at $7.39 a gallon. $3 million. This is like a normal house. Our problems are man-made. All you have to do is pay attention. Here is what I found. I can't be the only person who's seeing this. The California legislature can't go on forever like this. This is a form of self-destruction. When I came here 22 years ago, it was a different California. Where is the state headed? California will deteriorate. Where'd the money go? This is because of stupid policies. There's no other word for it. The politicians are making money off our problems. People were tricked. They're being lied to, and their way of life is being destroyed. There's a lot of people that you would be surprised by their stories. My entire family is leaving. You know, we left all of our friends behind. Hey, live a day or two in our shoes. We're going to lose the very core values that built this state. California's bad ideas go national really fast. And if California fails, the United States failed. So even you guys have improved, still there is big, bigger and bigger wildfires. Yeah. We, yes, we have a, a long ways to go before we really get on top of it because it's very difficult. It's kind of like a wildfire when it's burning with the wind behind it. It's a train coming down the tracks. You don't stand in front of it. You have to go along the side of it. It's going to take its run. It's going to take its course. And the best thing you do is just um, protect the structures and make sure the people are evacuated. Going back to policymakers, so essentially what's happening is that the policymakers are paying more attention to activists, which are usually very loud and emotional. Uh, but then the professionals that really know the stuff, that deal with it every day, they're not going to be loud and extreme and angry and emotional. They probably will give their recommendation, and then if it doesn't go through, they will walk away. Maybe they talk to press a little bit, but they will respectfully walk away. Can you tell us what what should these politicians do? Should they should they pay more attention to the professionals? Yes, and I want to quantify or clarify that it's not all politicians because we have many that are very supportive of uh, public safety, but you do have some that seem to side more on the activist or some that uh, disagree. And I would suggest to those. When you hire a fire chief or a police chief and put them in office in that position, pay attention to them. They are the true professionals. That's why you hired them. That's why you put them in that position. They are the expert. So listen what they have to do and what they have to say and take that and, and, and support them on that because many times they don't 
and then our hands are tied. And then when something goes wrong, they quick, they're quick to blame the fire chief or the police chief. So you're caught in the middle at times with the political side of this. What about the people? We all have a role in this too. You know, it's, it's, it's like Californians are smart. They're um, some of the most innovative people in, in, in the world. You know, we have really strong economy here. We have really good people, smart people here. Um, besides dealing with the fires, you mentioned some recommendations which people should do. What else can they do to support you guys? What else they should do? Well, they can contact their local officials, both uh, city, county, and state representatives, and ask them for support for their personnel, whether it's staffing, uh, funds, mitigation efforts. They have a voice, and like you said, they're very smart, they're well-educated. Get out and speak to your local politicians and support public safety, it's so important. For some reason, it seems, and especially after COVID, you know, that did a lot of damage to the economy because when businesses were shut down, they're vacant. That stopped a lot of tax revenue. And then we had a lot of um, people that lost their job. So that does, and it did impact public safety in many ways. And we've got to get that built back up. And what about young people? to get into this profession, do you recommend them to join and jump in and, and do what you are very passionate about what you do? Must be fun and must be a great role to play, so. Well, you know, you need to have um, the drive, the determination to do something, like serve other people, that's number one. But yes, I mean, there are programs that start in our local schools, uh, ROP programs for fire or law enforcement, go to college, get into a fire academy. If this is an occupation that you want, um, don't give up. It's not easy getting in and going through the fire academy or taking the classes to, to train in this, but it's one of the most rewarding jobs in the world. And there's a lot of kids out there that I know could be great firefighters and I've seen them and some just in the middle of the academy drop out and it's, they just say, it's just not for me. Was there a point where you were like, this is a really difficult job, I, I shouldn't do this, or I, you had doubt about. Was there something ever you saw that caused you to, to doubt? I won't say really caused me to doubt. I've certainly had my highs and I've had my lows. When you see families and children that are um, injured or killed, uh, times I've been on a fire where I've gone into a building and uh, pulled a, a young young girl uh, out of the house. I thought I made a save and I didn't. She eventually succumbed to uh, the smoke inhalation. Those are the lows, but we have a lot of highs. Uh, so, but nothing's really ever stopped me from wanting to continue. I've, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm still very, very passionate about this and um, one of the most rewarding jobs in the world for me. And how do you deal with that? Is it very difficult to deal with it where you kind of go in to try to save somebody and then it's kind of late? It's, it's tough to deal with. I mean, now we have, when this happened, we did not have the peer support uh, programs that we have in place now. I'm a man of faith. I believe in God. Uh, so I do um, rely on my faith to help me cope with it. And, um, you know, I think just talking with my uh, peers at the fire department or that that is big the um, 
social interaction, just having the support system, like I said, we're a family, having that family unit, people to talk to. And if it gets too hard on people, they do have options now to go speak to um, licensed professional counselors and therapists. For us, most of us, we, whenever we call 911, you guys come, you know, and, and whenever we need something, you guys, we don't really think behind the scenes what's happening. You guys are going on a lot of calls, right? And, and how are these calls? Is it, you go from one to another to another, right? They vary. Some calls are minor. They may be um, as little as a twisted ankle. The other call may be uh, someone hit by a car or a train or something very traumatic. So there's a lot of highs and lows in those calls. And they can't take their toll on you, but we do receive training. That's what we train for, both for the physical aspect for fighting fires and specific incidents, but also for the medical side of it but it still takes its toll on you and your support system. Some of the best support system are those within the station that you work with. So that is our support system. If it gets too heavy on a first responder's uh, mind, then we do have professional services available for them. And then when you do save somebody's life, because there, there's probably a lot of these rewarding, you know, positive things that happen. Can you explain or tell us how does it feel or do you remember a, a, a time when something happened like that for you? I do. I was a young firefighter and we responded on a call. There were several calls at one time. Myself and one other firefighter were on a, a specialized rig, a heavy rescue rig, and we were responding to a young man with a, was, had a bee sting and went into anaphylactic shock and was in full arrest. So I told my partner, I said, we don't have time for an ambulance. Let's just, you drive to the hospital. I'll take care of, I'll give CPR. And we took this uh, young child to the hospital. We ended up saving his life. That was ecstatic. He was just a young boy. Fast forward, I'm going to say 20 some years, came to the station knocked on the door. I was a battalion chief at the time, and he said, you don't know me, but remember that call on, and he named the street, and you saved my life, and he's now an attorney. So those are the things that are so rewarding. You know, you get a lot of that, and not only that, but you, um, you help a lot of people that are, you know, maybe they're, they have chronic um, medical conditions that you respond on a lot and you respond on them sometimes uh, twice a week, three times a week. You almost become, they become your family too, and they're happy to see you when they're in distress. They know that's comforting for them to know that you're there to help them. So the reward, yes, just back to what I said, it's so rewarding. Hi, I'm Siamai Korami, General Manager of Epoch Times in Southern California and host of California Insider. Thank you so much for your amazing support. It's been an honor to have you with us along this journey. And we've grown such a great community of subscribers like yourselves that have been with us, committing to truth and tradition, which is what we want to discuss this year at our gala. So please join us on October 28th in Newport Beach for an exceptional night with food, drinks, and great conversations. Our guest speaker will be Victor Davis Hansen, as well as some of our media personalities like Yanya Kellick of American Thought Leaders, 
and Roman from FactsMatter. You can get your tickets now on epochgala.com. And once again, thank you for your support. And I'll look forward to seeing you on October 28th. Chief Sam, what was it like for you guys when uh, when you mentioned this sense of community and this community you guys were, would share, like a family, how was it, what was it like? Well, uh, the days when we used to stay in the station and we would eat dinner together, we would watch TV and armchair quarterback, another agency fighting a fire. Well, that's easy to do while you're in the station and it's nice and cool and you know, you can armchair quarterback their efforts. That's so you look at somebody else fighting fire and then you kind of analyze what they're doing and how they're doing it. Right, but we know that they do that to us when we're on the fire, so <laughs> it goes both ways. The other thing is, is the, the dorm, uh, you know, where we would, when I was a young firefighter, I would get on the on all, the all call in the evening and just say, come on, you guys, it's therapy time. And we would go up into the dorm and we would just lay around and tell stories. Those were ways that we bonded together. And that was almost like our peer support training in its way. Or if the fire truck needed repairs, we'd take the pump panel off and we'd all get in and work together as a team to fix it. Or we'd build a something at the station. Unfortunately now, a lot of like the fire trucks or things that need to be done to the station are, are all being outsourced. So those are those little things that start fragmenting us around the station, not eating at the kitchen table, sleeping in dorms now where there's walls and they have their own TV. We don't interact like we used to, just like I mentioned about families. They're fragmented because they don't um, share uh, dinner together like I did when I was a kid. We all sat at the table and we all ate together. We prayed before we ate and then we would be family. And even in the fire service, we've lost a lot of that sense. And that, that concerns me. Do you think there's a way to get that back? Well, it's up to the leadership in the organization. And you know, you can't force someone to eat a particular way. Like I said, there are some people that are vegans. Some people don't like the way another person cooks. Some person would rather have their significant other bring food into the table. So there are things that you just can't make people do. And now uh, we have more um, females in the fire service and we have to uh, separate them. You just can't have a big open door. So there's privacy issues to be concerned about. But there are ways, you know, uh, good captains and good battalion chiefs and fire chiefs will find ways to keep their crews together. And they do do a good job of it. But it, it is uh, something that has been um, slowly eroding over the years. Sam, do you have any advice for the homeowners that are, um, whether they're insured or they're uninsured, do you have any recommendations for them to do now? Yes, if you are living in the wildland urban interface and there is a brush fire and you are asked to evacuate, do so. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And even if you feel that there's danger and you haven't been asked to evacuate, do so immediately. Keep a ready, set, go bag ready keep important documents such as passports or in papers, anything that's important to you. Your laptop, medication, eyeglasses, and some cash. Be prepared to evacuate. If you're asked to do so, do so. Your house can be replaced, but your life cannot be replaced. And even if you are not asked to evacuate and you feel that there is a threat or a danger, 
evacuate ahead of time. Sam DiGioana, Fire Chief, it was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you, honored to be here. If you like the show and our content, you should go to insiderca.com and sign up to our newsletter because we never know what can happen with social media and other platforms in terms of distributing our content. If you'd like to come on the show and be an insider, you can reach out to us at cainsider at epochtimesca.com. Again, it's cainsider at epochtimesca.com. We would love to have you on the show to tell us what's going on in your field in California. Thank you for watching.